Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. So let me ask you, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Um, a little stressed. Uh, starting to get to the witching hour. I got my thesis due in t- two weeks from tomorrow. Um, so, yeah. But I'll get there. We'll make it through. This is This is helping me get through. Oh, yeah. This podcast gets me through the week. Looking forward to these nights where we're recording, so... I don't know, man. I just I was just watching the news today, and it's like California is doing this curfew, and the second wave is really getting bad. So I don't know. It's just strange times. But it made me think that scene in Total Power where I think it's T.J. Burton, and they're all mm-hmm. sitting around, and he's like, "Do we enforce a curfew?" And and one of the advisors is like, "No, don't put any policy out there that you can't enforce or don't intend to enforce." And right. I'm like. 10 people at Thanksgiving, do they really intend to try to enforce that? Well, if if not, why set the policy? But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I've been trying to um, – I already have enough anxiety in my life, so I've been trying to avoid reading the news since the election. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, – I guess the one po- – I do agree with you. Like, um, like uh, Up here in New York, they've instituted a bunch of new policies on like – before you come into the state, you have to get a COVID test, well, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, how are you actually policing this kind of stuff? But but I guess the positive to take from it is it if it deters one person, I guess that's a good thing. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure we have listeners out there that would disagree with a lot of these policies. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to st- we, we, we try to stay away from politics here. But, uh, you know, true. Everybody would disagree with some side of whatever. So it's not our place. We just... Want to talk to you about our favorite character, Mitch Rapp. <laughs> yeah, but we just want to say wear a mask. I think both of us agree on that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And just be safe. <laughs> so, but on a happier note, uh, let's do some Patreon updates. So we would like to do a big shout out to George. Um, he's been a patron for the last couple months, but he just upgraded himself to special agent. So thank you very much for that, George. And we'd like to announce our November book giveaway. So... Again, winner's choice, we have uh, the options of Executive Power, Pursuit of Honor, Extreme Measures, Act of Treason, and The Survivor. So anyone who signed up to be a patron, um, we'll be doing that in a couple episodes. Do we have to do it this episode? Maybe we'll do... Oh, it is probably our last one for November. Did Did we already do it this month? Uh, we didn't do the giveaway yet. Um, All right, then wait. We have to do it right now. My bad. <laughs> we got to do it. Let's do it. All right. All right, let me get the wheel of names. I'm going to put everybody's name. And now George gets his name put into it 10 times for being a special agent. He has 10 entries to win thanks to that upgrade. All right. So you got your wheel of names? I got the wheel of names. Took me a few minutes there, but I got it. And... um Let's spin it to see who the November winner is. Here we go. Are you frozen? Sarah J. Sarah J. It took a while. The thing was spinning. You know, like the Wheel of Fortune. Yay, Uh, Sarah J. Sarah J. All right. And Sarah has been one of our agents at the lower tier, so... She's been around for a few months. Glad to recognize you. 
and we'll be reaching out about which autographed Vince Flynn book you would like us to send you. Awesome. And just to note that all the Patreon proceeds from this month and next month will be a donation to the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Um, so if you want to jump on, just know that your your fees for this month and or next month will be go to a good cause. So, yeah. All right. So for today's episode, I have to go back a few months here, Chris, because a listener reached out on Facebook. His name is Mike, Mike M., and he posted, please go to YouTube and search Mitch Rapp off book and tell me what I'm watching. Is this part of a full-length movie I somehow haven't heard of? What sorcery is this? Well, I checked out that sorcery, and boom, on YouTube, there was a 15-minute short film starring Mitch Rapp. Or, well, this guy Andy McDermott, but playing Mitch Rapp. And I was like, what the heck? We got a Mitch Rapp movie I've never heard of, like not American Assassin. Turns out uh, this guy, Andy, he was a beginning actor trying to launch a career. He already had a few other careers that he had under his belt, but he wanted to get into acting. So he was martial arts, modeling, even a cop for a little while in law enforcement. So started raising some money, was trying to get an independent short film off the ground, you know, starting from scratch. And a friend he knows who's a producer asked, hey, do you know any characters? Are, are there any characters you would like your role to take after? And he was like, Psh, duh, Mitch Rapp. You know, who wouldn't? The boss. Who wouldn't? Yeah. And uh, they did it. So, So I reached out to Andy and I was really happy that he was willing to come on the podcast. He was really excited to hear about what we're doing. We were really excited to learn about what he was doing. And um, he made a movie. Dude just made a Mitch Rapp, Mitch Rapp movie. I know. When you first told me about this little short film, I was like, really? I didn't know this exist existed. And then I went on YouTube, watched it, and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And, and it was really great that you got to talk to him. He seems like a really good guy. Yeah. We're happy to bring you this interview. So uh, enjoy my talk with Andy. Today we welcome a special guest and actor, Andy McDermott. Andy is the star and creative genius behind the short film, Mitch Rapp Off Book, which is available for free on YouTube or at their website, MitchRappFanFilm.com. As a full-time actor, host, and influencer in Hollywood, Andy has appeared in over 30 films and TV shows, including national commercials and ad campaigns. In 2016, he approached friend and director Paul Denigri about an idea to produce a short film based on the works of one of his favorite authors, Vince Flynn. And so Andy McDermott became Iron Man, and now he's with us on Mitrep Pods. Andy, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know you're a big uh, rap fan and reader. So can you tell us how you initially got into the books and then eventually where did the idea for this film come from? Yeah, sure. Well, we we have to go way back. Uh, I, I uh, after graduating from Northwestern, I started playing soccer. Uh, never really uh, thought I'd be a professional athlete, but just kind of um, you know fell into that uh, and and kept going with it for a while. But that that allowed me to uh, have some free time, and I was not a voracious golfer like a lot of uh, pro athletes or anything like that. Um, so. 
started reading, and this was back in, gosh, 99, 2000. So I think it was probably Term Limits yep. was the first book that I picked up and uh, and just fell in love. And so um, I've been one of those one of those guys that has read it, you know, the first couple of weeks it, it comes out every year or every year and a half, two years. Um, and uh, so, you know, and that was kind of just throughout all different adventures of my life. Played soccer for a long time, ran a, a martial arts school um, during that time as well. And then uh, when my wife and I started our family, it was time to uh, get a real job and uh, retire from soccer when I realized I was never going to be David Beckham. And uh, <laughs> I was playing for thousands and not millions. Um, was, uh, was actually talking to the FBI, the Secret Service, uh, different branches of the military testing and, uh, and ended up uh, becoming a cop uh, because I needed to you know, uh, frankly, just kind of get some benefits and get off the road and, and just get started. And I thought that was going to be a temporary gig until I chose what I really wanted to do. Um, was testing with the Navy SEALs and actually passed their physical fitness test, which was one of the uh, worst experiences ever because I'm not a good swimmer. Um, but uh, ended up just really digging being a cop. Uh, and I'm not the stereotypical, you know, ticket writer or, uh, or anything like that. Uh, hopefully you can tell I, I always have a smile on my face. I love everybody. Um, but it was a, a genuine chance to, uh, to really help people every day. And I worked in Phoenix and uh, was able to test right away for this uh, proactive tactical team. And, um, and so I was fortunate enough to get on that team um, because I guess of my physical background and I speak Spanish. And uh, so it's been almost all of my downtime in the, in the housing projects of Phoenix. And uh, because I was a, a, I could, you know, juggle a soccer ball and I could speak Spanish, ended up becoming friends with a, a ton of little kids in the housing projects and with their moms. Uh, and the moms would come out and, and uh, you know, with the plate of tamales and, and want to talk. And after, you know, six months or a year, started to uh, trust me enough that I could say, okay, so who who are the bad guys? You know, who's scaring your kids right now? How can I actually help you? And ended up getting a lot of good work done uh, because of that. Um, and not, not because of being the, the scary guy in the uniform, but more being the, the person that the kids could go to and, and trust. And, and so... You know, that was kind of, uh, to me, that's, that's kind of what, what cops should aim to, to try to do is, is be part of that community. And that's a whole nother question, a uh, whole nother conversation, especially in today's environment. Um, but uh, so, um, you know, very long story short, in 2011, 2012, they came and filmed a movie in Scottsdale called Everything Must Go with Will Ferrell and Michael Peña and Rebecca Hall. And my modeling agent, I had been doing the cheesy modeling thing forever just for extra money, um, sent me to this audition. And, uh, the, the, you know, as legend has it, the casting director said, Andy, that was a great read, but that costume is effing amazing. Where'd you get that costume? And I said, I said it's not a, not a costume, man. I'm on my way to work. I'm, I'm a cop. He said, you're no cop. I said, yeah. He said, well, it's a cop role. The director's going to love this. Will's going to love it. And, uh, so I ended up in this movie. Um, just spent the day with Will Ferrell and a couple wow. of scenes, uh, you know, he was literally the biggest sweetheart. You would never know he was a superstar. You know, he just, he wanted, he wanted to hear soccer stories, a big soccer fan. As, as we know now, he's part owner of LAFC, but this was, you know, way back then, no one knew he was a big soccer fan. Uh, he had been coaching an AYSO in Beverly Hills for his kids and, uh, he wanted to hear cop stories, and it was all kind of surreal for me. I was literally faking my way through it. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, 
But uh, end of the night, uh, you know, the, the crew was giving me a hand because that's a wrap for Andy McDermott. I was turning in all my stuff and I felt his hand on my shoulder, turn around, look up and it's, it's Will, you know, he's like six foot yeah. four. And uh, he gave me a hug and he said, Andy, I just want to let you know, I hope this isn't the last job you do because I think it's what you should do. Wow. And I, I always say that's like the worst thing that, you know, that was like gasoline on a fire, you know, the, the wor worst thing you could tell a wannabe actor uh, wow. because I'd always, I'd always wanted to try it, but it was just never the right time. Wow. And that was your first experience on a, on a big set like that and doing it was. some acting yeah. beyond just the modeling. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly right. I had done some kind of like minor commercials and things like that, but that was the first, first time in front of a big camera and, um, and just, you know, caught the bug and that's awesome. it was less, yeah, less than a year later, we moved out to LA. Uh, we had four kids, sold the house. We gave up the, the job and you know everybody thought we were crazy especially because i was 37 years old at the time and that's not normally when you go with a big family um but we were there uh, in la almost five years uh full time wow. um and uh and just hustling and so it's about you know three four years into that adventure that uh, i was approached with the idea of doing a short film you know, um, I had been a guest star on a bunch of different shows like uh, Hawaii Five-0 and Blind Spot and Training Day and, and Magnum PI and, and uh, enlisted and and uh, was in a few a few films, kind of these small roles. But I was actually a producer friend of mine uh, who who works on big movies, and I was helping him get in shape. I'd always kind of done the fitness thing, and and he said, "Hey, I had this idea. Why don't you do a short film where you're the star?" Um, and you know, you're like the, the prototypical action guy, but you know, you, your curse is you kind of look like a leading man, but <laughs> you're not Brad Pitt. You're not Leo DiCaprio. You know, you, you're not Chadwick Boseman. Um, you're, you're a known neighbor, but you look like this, this leading guy and you want to be this action star. So maybe you just have to be that leading guy and give people the idea. Yeah. Uh, I said, all right, great. Well, I don't know how to do that. And I don't have any money. And he said, well, <laughs> You know, raise some money, and you have a friend who's a who's a director. So I uh, called my friend Paul, who is in Phoenix, who uh, was working at a um, kind of a a technical uh, movie making school, UAT in Phoenix at the time, and he had some great talented students, and they had a, a lot of great equipment. Uh, and then Paul's friend Steve, who is a writer and actor as well, so Paul and Steve wrote up this this screenplay. Um, based on you know they said hey we love the idea what would you want to do is there any kind of a, a story or a book or a character oh yes <laughs> uh, that is your dream character and uh, i saw man uh, no no one's ever made a mitch rap movie i know yeah. they've been talking about it and this was back you know uh cbs films had optioned one of the it was like transfer of power or something like that yeah i think consent to kill was in the talks uh when vince was still alive and, and you know yes. he was really hoping for that and that happened to be at the yeah. same time he was writing american assassin actually ah uh, okay and i think once both he fell in love with what he was writing with american assassin and once the yeah. studios found out about this origin story yeah i think they just you know pulled pulled the trigger on that instead and kind of tabled consent to kill and yes. went with an origin story. And so, yeah, that would have been around, what, 20, I believe, 2012, 2011? Yeah, 2012. yes, that's exactly right. I remember starting to read about that as I was just moving, because I went to L.A. in 2012. Okay. Um, and uh, and just like, oh, man, that would be amazing. And, and 
you know, I, I actually, you know, talked to a couple of agents and in LA you have way too many agents, you know, you have a theatrical agent, commercial agent, uh, you know, modeling agent, all these different agents. But I remember talking to one and just saying, Hey, if you hear anything about this project, I don't know that I'm Mitch Rapp, but I'd kill to be Scott Coleman. Which was, that that you know, kind which, of uh, just by your face, you know, I mean, uh, that would be a, a good match. That'd be a fit yeah, right there. Yeah, I can see it. You know, they, they'd probably still get somebody, you know, like uh, like Taylor Kish or somebody. Actually, he was an American assassin, so he's, you know, he's yeah. dead now, I think, right? He blew up on a, on a boat, I think, or, or, or was at the end of that movie, I think, was, was driving away on the boat. And they, uh, I mean, they changed so much from the book. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right, are, right. what story are they trying to tell, to be honest with you? Yeah, that's well, exactly right. So while you were, you, while you were hoping and, you know, kind of pushing and angling to see if something about the way they were doing that film could work out in yeah. the back of your mind, were you still thinking I'd want to play rap in this independent film? And was that, was that seed planted yet? You know, it was years later um, because that got delayed. If you remember that uh, Lorenzo di Bonaventura, Bonaventura. Who, yeah, who was the, the Transformers guy, very successful guy. Um, they delayed and uh and then i think vince passed in 2013 2014 2013 yeah. 2013 um so i think that all got delayed so this would have been 2015 2016 2016 late 2016 that we had the idea to do this um because we filmed uh i think it was halloween weekend um 2016 so late 2016 um and uh, and yeah, so you know, we came, we came up with the idea to to do a rap short film um, to make it fiction, but based on Vince Vince's universe, you know, based on uh, the backstory of Mitch, um, and uh, and basically everything that I had known about him, I felt like I had known Mitch at that point for for sixteen years, you right. know, um, and. Uh, and so just tried to uh, become him as, as much as I could. We raised, gosh, about 8,500 bucks from friends on Indiegogo. Okay. Um, and had this army of volunteers uh, to help us film. Steve and Paul uh, scripted up a screenplay, which is about a 12-page, you know, they say it's roughly, you know, a page per minute. Um, sometimes a little bit more if it's, if it's more action. As you could tell in this short film, it's just a – basically a 13 minute, you know, action, uh, all <laughs> action, nonstop. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Uh, so, well, minus uh, that first scene, which does, which does another thing of establishing, like you said, the universe Vince created, well, it's so important to have that political piece of him trying to convince the bureaucrats and the leadership to authorize yeah. the mission. And we don't want to give away too much to the listeners who haven't seen it yet, but who definitely yeah. will go do so after this interview. But yeah, that was a great scene to have, uh, the bureaucrat kind of pushing back against Mitch and Mitch saying, you know, I'm going to do this anyway. And having a, an Irene Kennedy there, I feel like yeah. that scene set the stage to show you guys were going to respect what Vince tried to do in the books. Yeah. Yeah. And great catch there, man. You know, in, in all the books, there is all of that frustration that Mitch feels of yep. all of these politicians and bureaucrats and red tapes, just talking, 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 you know, yep. uh, and he cuts through that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then he, he always realizes that all this talking is not going to solve any problems. Let me just go fix this problem, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and, uh, 
and, and so yeah, we we knew that we needed to at least allude to that, you know. And and it's hard in a in a short film to you know incorporate a book, uh, but just kind of that's why it's it's fiction. We we knew we had to make it up and not base it on any one story, um, but just just to honor Vince and what is what he created and and uh, try to do some respect to uh, to Mitch, who you know uh, to me is is you know one of my a short list of heroes of yep. of my life. So, um, but just you know, little little facts in there, like the the scar that I think it was Riaz gave him originally, you know, and then uh, the fact that you know I'm I'm very right-handed, uh, uh, but uh, you know, in the movie uh, try or in the short film, tried very hard to be left-handed. Yeah, uh, I think there's one key scene and people who have seen the film will know that what I'm referring to that was very Mitch-esque in terms of the action I'm trying to remember if you use your left hand or your right hand but was yes. that the type of scene or even when he's shooting when entering the first action scene yes is that when you were yep. really cognizant yeah yeah exactly exactly which so is speaking of getting that right with Mitch what yep. else was were the important qualities or characteristics that you knew had to come through because to mm -hmm. reflect to reflect Vince's work, the number one thing you have to get right is rap. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people yeah. may agree or disagree with how American Assassin did that. So what yeah. was your goal in this film of getting that piece right? What other qualities or characteristics had to come through? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I, I, I look at it as like in a, in a, in a small world of alphas or, uh, you know, the, the alpha wolf or the alpha lion, Mitch is the pinnacle of that. You know, he is absolutely the top of the food chain. And so I don't think he wastes words. He's very economical in words. Um, and he's supremely confident. And it seems like almost everything he says uh, has sarcasm, you know, <laughs> or he's a smart ass, you know, and, and, uh, and he's, he's so clever and so sharp um, that he never needs to feel like he needs to convince anyone of what he's saying because uh, he knows it's right already. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, but like the interactions with him and, and, um, and his, his kind of partner, his colleague that, you know, he's, he's trying to rescue in this, in this story anyway. Yep. Um, it's still in the most dire life and death. It's still kind of laced with humor or yep. we, we tried to anyway, because, you know, even in the, in the books in Mitch's darkest moments, uh, you know, he's been there, you know, and, um, and that was taken a little bit, you know, from, I could relate to that or I could feel that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I kind of was in some, some life or death moments myself. And, uh, and, and, you know, in my mind, it was always like, okay, I could either be scared to death here or I could kind of laugh about this or I could, you know, keep going. And, and uh, so I think that's kind of a survival thing by, you know, cops or military or special ops or, or you know, operators that I worked with. Um, you know, sometimes I think the public is offended if they see a big crime scene and, and you see some of the, the operators, men and women standing around, they might be laughing. Yeah. Um, and I always try to explain that, look, they don't mean any offense. They're not laughing about what just happened. Um, they're just laughing because uh, if, if, we, if we internalized, if we felt, if we digested all of that stuff that we have to deal with every day, uh, you, you'd literally go insane. You'd, you'd lose your mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't you can't feel that you can't take that in. You you compartmentalize it and then put it away, and then you laugh about some craziness, and then you move on. You know, 
Um, we see I, that we see that a little bit more with the more recent Mitch under Kyle Mills. He definitely has a bit more, and maybe it's as he's older and he's been through more, a little bit more sass. Yes, <laughs> he, he's, yeah. he's a little more. Um, he jokes around a bit more under pressure. You know, he still is a little bit more lighthearted. We see it in Total Power. Um, yes, for sure. Yeah, uh, maybe some of the earlier events. You know, we might not have seen that level of. Mitch, but where your film was made, it made sense that he was more seasoned, more experienced. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I think in American Assassin, you know, in in the film, you know, I loved that book. Um, and, you know, I try not to judge uh, films or anything like that. It was coming out at the same time as we were doing the short film. Uh, just ironically, you know, it was not a com- not a competition thing. Obviously, they spent probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars on that filming it for six months right we filmed we filmed ours in two days wow uh, with less than ten thousand dollars wow uh, can you tell us more can you tell us more about that what was it like being on set you mentioned um you had some students there so it was really like an amateur crew and getting their feet wet but it came out so professional looking in the end so what was it like being on set and with with the people in the moment yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the, the greatest experiences of, of my acting career, um, uh, you know, of, of my life really was all these people kind of coming together from all different backgrounds to make something really cool and totally engaged in it. Um, and just a monumental dump of energy and adrenaline because, uh, you know, we, we asked for, uh, there's a, a guy, Richard Ryan, who was the stunt coordinator, who was this kind of legend in the martial arts world in, in Phoenix, um, who had a bunch of his students, uh, these big burly guys who um, became the, the stunt guys, you know, and, and in this film, Mitch, you know, dispatches about 30 bad guys, you know, and so we had maybe nine, 10 stunt guys, and that's why they had to wear you know, hoods or, yeah. or masks because we had to kill the same guys over You recycled them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but, uh, and I was in LA, these guys were in Phoenix. Um, so we did some of that rehearsing over video and I was given the, um, the stunt, uh, you know, the fight scenes are several different big fight scenes. I was given that and, and I rehearsed that in my apartment in LA. And I remember the first weekend going there to meet these stunt guys, to meet Richard Ryan. We went to his dojo up in North Phoenix. And, uh, and I showed up in, in jeans and a white t-shirt. And I think I had a, a huge box of donuts to give these guys and literally just trying to, you know, uh, have these guys not think that I was this, uh, you know, schmuck from LA uh, coming in to try to be this big movie star. Uh, how can I humbly, you know, work with these guys? And, and it wasn't until we got set up to do one of the big fight scenes and uh, Richard's like, all right, well, we might as well try this because I know we're going to have to fix, you know, a thousand things. And we've, we filmed it and, you know, it, it went off without a hitch. And these guys didn't know that, you know, I had a, a life of martial arts that I was, you know, a third degree black belt and, and had been in, a, you know, obviously some fights for my life as, as a cop. And, um, but, you know, they knew me as this Hollywood actor dork. Um, and, and uh, just, we nailed it. These guys were really good. They were really sharp and, and nailed the scene. And there was a moment of silence, you know, there. And then everybody just started clapping, yes. you know? And it was, yeah, it was like this relief over yes. all of us. <laughs> you were initiated, initiated into the trial. Yeah, that's right. 
kind of makes yeah, me think of McDermott's not going to blow this. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a was there ever feeling. a Stern, uh, Stan Hurley character? Was there ever that um, that expert looking over your shoulder? I feel like, or maybe not even with the action, but you had a pretty famous, or at least the most recognizable actor on film uh, that I saw was Jim Morrison, known mm-hmm. for his role on the TV show Twenty Four as Bill Buchanan, yes. the head of the LA CTU. Yeah. What was it like working with him? Was he ever intimidating in the actor sense, um, having so much experience? Yeah, you know, he was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish I could have spent two weeks with him. Yeah. You know, if this was a feature film, then then those scenes at the beginning would have been expanded. And, there, would have, you know, I would have killed to spend more time working with that guy. As it was, I spent probably an hour and a half with him. Yeah. You know, uh, we uh, we flew him in. We had raised enough money. This was a guy that Paul had always had always loved and wanted to work with, uh, even from back before 24. Um, and uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he talked about some gravitas on screen, you know, and a true professional. Um, you know, he didn't need to look at his lines. I mean, this was a guy that he was willing to come in for, you know, a certain amount of money and do a passion project. I think he felt the passion in me and in Paul and uh, came in, nailed his work and flew back to California, you know? Um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, he, he was awesome, man. And that's, that's uh, definitely a, a character that could have expanded um, had we had two weeks to film instead of two days. To your credit though, you, you wrote, you rose to the occasion when you had to be, you had to combat him as Mitch. You had to show you weren't going to just follow his orders. And he had such mm-hmm. a commanding presence in the film. I would imagine yeah. a, a commanding presence um, on the set just with his experience. Yet you had to show that you truly were Mitch and you weren't going to cower from that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you made very clear in, with your acting that you were not just going to follow his orders blindly and stay back or sit back. You were going to go get your friend. And yeah. so I felt by having the gravitas of him in the scene also allowed you to show that you were going to, you were going to play the game equally as well as Mitch, but also as yourself as an actor. Yeah. Right. 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 And I think, you know, we, we tried to kind of convey a little bit that um, Morrison's character had, had been there, you know, 20 years earlier. And uh, you know, he actually did a good job uh, kind of nuancing that performance a little bit that he was probably an operator at some point in his life, you know, and and, uh, and now as a bureaucrat and he's got his hands tied by, you know, the rules uh, that, that he just says, you you know, I forget exactly his line, but, you know, you know, you know how it's done, Mitch, you know, you know, these rules. And Mitch was like, well, you know, BS, you know, this as, there were a couple of looks. There were a couple yeah. of looks exchanged. Like Mitch, you got to do what you got to do, and I understand, and I'm yeah. I'm not going to yeah. hold you back. Yeah, that's right. That's but right. But it, it wasn't stated. You know, it was it was it came through with with yeah. the, with the looks. Uh, on yeah, the, on, yeah. On camera, and that's you know one of my favorite things about acting is it's I I learned early on it's an exchange. You know, uh, people think about acting as as you know one one thing I don't like is monologues because a monologue is basically a performance. You know, it's like, I've memorized all these words. I'm going to say all these words and now you clap for me. You know, that's not really life. You know, if, if, if this was a scene in a movie, it'd be about our exchange and me actually hearing what you're saying and then having to react to that, you know, and that's, that's the connection of human connection. And so with a guy like James, uh, when he looks at you, uh, there's just this immediate connection, you know, he's got this eye contact, he's got this power. And, uh, and so you're right. I had to feel like 
not Andy. I had to feel like Mitch. How would Mitch be in this situation? Mitch wouldn't be intimidated by that guy at all, um, but uh, but probably would respect him quietly, uh, even if he might not admit it. You know, um, but it was it was kind of a really cool moment to work with a guy like that because you you get to that give and take. Yeah, that's great. It definitely came through as well in the final film. So yeah. to you know, I've heard so much, but to to start wrapping up here, I'm curious, where did the title off book come from? It makes a very clear distinction that you're going to still be in the franchise. You're still going to want to continue the stories that we have in the books, but you're also writing your own. You're going off book made me think of off script. Is that something you were going for? And yeah. um, were you ever in touch with anybody on the book and the publication side uh, throughout you know, this process or completely you guys were just uh, going out there and going off book? Yeah, you know, I have uh, I have a couple of screenshots that I that I saved. Um, you know, we had some feedback from different different groups, um, but you know, probably you know there was probably five or six that really touched me. Uh, probably the the best one. I'll see if I can if I can hold this up so you guys can see it at the bottom there. Oh hey, that's uh, Vin, Vince's brother Dan. All right. And you looked, uh, he looked like a badass. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, another one from, from someone who was a kind of a lifelong reader, uh, like, like me. All right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that was the kind of thing like, you know, we made this to kind of show, you know, Paul um, ended up going and starting his own business, not doing narrative filmmaking anymore, but he's filming, he's doing a bunch of different projects. Uh, he kind of wanted to show what he could do. Steve uh, could write a screenplay, and uh, and I wanted to show you know that I could do more than just be the you know uh, the the FBI guy who gets shot on Hawaii Five O. Um, so we had that, but really what I wanted to do was honor um, what what Vince had done for me and for you and for fans, you know, all over the world. You know, he created this universe, which is this you know great distraction from life, great entertainment. Uh, you know, like I look forward to reading the book every time one comes out and then I spend three days reading it, you know, and not wanting to do anything else. Yep. And that's been 20 years of my life that I've, I've loved that, you know? So how do we, how do we honor that? How do we make something, you know, quick and entertaining? Obviously it's not going to win any Oscars. It's not the, you know, um, the gone with the wind piece of art. Um, but if you know, Mitch, uh, he had a job to do and he would be quick and efficient and deadly and go in there and do his job. And there might be a little bit, a couple of laughs in there. Um, and, and we did it all in literally two 10, 15 hour days. And I don't know if I've ever been as tired at the end of that second day, we were filming that rooftop scene, almost filmed chronologically because it was this great old abandoned building in Phoenix that we rented. And we filmed through the basement and, you know, this literally could have happened in this building because it was this old abandoned, you know, felt haunted building ended up on the, on the roof at the end of day two. And that was uh, Richard who was, you know, kind of the, the end uh, fight who was the stunt coordinator. Oh, the big battle. Okay. Oh, that was the stunt coordinator. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In the epic amazing, battle at the end. Yeah. This amazing guy. And, uh, you know, we, we did that without, you know, stunt doubles. We did that without padding. Uh, and we're, we're both exhausted. And, uh, and it was literally probably 10 at night on the second day. And, and uh, I, I think Paul and I had a conversation like, uh, should we hold off? Should we do this? And I said, Paul, if we don't, we don't get this now, 
we're not going to get it. So let's just get what we can. And it ended up, you know, being, uh, being great and different than we had envisioned, different than we had scripted. But, you know, in, in Hollywood, sometimes they call that a happy accident that, uh, you know, you get what you can. And then those guys, Paul and his team of editors did an amazing job putting it together uh, in editing and doing some visual effects, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that you saw there uh, was done with his artistry of, of visual effects, which is what his company does now. Um, and uh, so I had some, some you know, uh, great reviews afterwards. A lot of people said that they enjoyed watching it. Obviously, it didn't launch me into being uh, the next Chris Hemsworth or anything. Um, but it was, uh, to me, it was kind of mission accomplished because it felt like we, we tried to honor what, what Vincent created and, and what Mitch might look like, you know, so... Uh, that was, that was a, a great adventure for me. You knocked that out of the park. Really? Uh, did. Um, it, finding it so many years later after you produced it, it was exciting for me and, and glad to see that there were so there were, I think three or four other videos on your YouTube page that took you behind the scenes. And so, yeah, mm. I gobbled that up. That was, that was really great content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It's, you know, it's awesome to, to talk to you about it because obviously there's uh, so much passion behind what you're doing and now this new, podcast that you guys are doing and, and to connect with some other rap fans out there and to be able to tell them, look, I was not trying to, uh, you know, recreate the wheel or anything like that. It's really a, an honor piece to try to honor what they're doing and not try to, you know, combat uh, or be better than Dylan O'Brien or anything. It's a, it's a different world, different project. Uh, there's no reason why there can't be two things that, that are just tribute to, to the man himself. Well, as you said, mission accomplished for sure. Yeah, and um, yeah. Thanks, we hope Mike. to hear we hope to hear from some of our podcast listeners once they get to check out the film, see what they thought about it, and we'll uh, definitely loop you in. But how can yeah. listeners uh, find you or your work? Uh, where can they reach out to find your presence online? Yeah, well, um, I'm on social media at Andy. What's next? And a lot of that these days is fitness stuff. Uh, you know, I got to work on a on a show last year, Magnum PI. I got to do you know, still in kind of the commercial modeling world. Um, up here in Northern California right now, working on a, on a project in a big uh, um, sports soccer training facility um, that I got pulled up here to do. Um, but um, actually taking, took some time uh, during these last five months of this pandemic and, and wrote a couple of projects. Uh, one is a, is a TV show pilot and one is a feature film. So you never know. I mean, uh, you just you throw things at the wall, see what sticks. But pretty excited about both those projects, and and uh, would hopefully uh, at least be able to be FBI agent two that dies in one of those shows. So <laughs> you just yeah. never know how it's going to work. Well, if anybody ever asks, um, definitely put your name in for Scott Coleman in any future uh, productions. I, yeah. I see that fit like a glove. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. That's 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 a dream. Scott Scott is is kind of an unsung hero in the in the books. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite characters. Yep. And in a in a world where Mitch Rap uh, trusts very few, yep. uh, Scott is a recurring theme for now fifteen years or so. So yep. Yep. talk about a squared away guy. He's a fan favorite too. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, thanks for coming on the show. It was great to hear um, about your backstory. Thank you for your service in law enforcement and your co community policing model. That sounds like something mm -hmm. really important for you know mm. the country as a whole to be looking at in the future. Yeah. And uh, thanks for telling us more about this film. We are so happy to talk to you today. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Hey, Mike, it's absolutely a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I think it's fantastic.
right. Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, Mike's interview with Andy. Um, if you haven't checked out that short film, we highly recommend you to go to YouTube and, and check that out. Um, so a little bit of wrapping up here. We will be off next week. We're going to take off, give ourselves a break for Thanksgiving. Uh, so no regular episode on the 30th. We will, however, be releasing a Patreon-only wrap-on-wrap discussion uh, on our Patreon site, so look out for that, our patrons. Probably going to talk about our favorite book titles uh, to, uh, of, the, of the books that we've done, so check out that. And if you want to listen to it, you can become a patron. Uh, but we'll be back uh, in December for one of our favorite books, uh, Memorial Day. So Let's go! <laughs> I think in our first episode, Mike, you, you had mentioned that this was, you know, a very important book to you and so we're excited yeah. to get get to it um yeah and so december 7th we'll release our first part um on the first half and december 14th we'll release the second half um so yeah that's that's what we're doing let's do it again we need to thank our patrons including our special operator sherry f and along with our special agents george matt don dennis roman peggy Catherine, ray bridget and jeff Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find us online at mitrappod.com or using our Twitter or Instagram handle at mitrappod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.